everybody. And as this goes out, happy Friday. We record late on Thursday, but you'll be listening to this on Friday morning. Um, I'm Kirsty McGregor, accountant in residence at Capitalize and also founder of the Corporate Finance Network. And today I'm really grateful in this crazy week. It is end of summer, start of the new uh, new working year, if you like, in September, that um, Sushil Patel has found some time to come and have a chat with us on the podcast. I've known Social for quite a few years now, um, but his background is that he is a qualified insolvency practitioner and now he's a director at Kroll. He works in the restructuring team in Manchester and has done since 2016. And prior to that, he held positions in accountancy firms um, and he's also worked at WorldPay in their recovery team. And he's also been an examiner in the insolvency service. So he was a guy that would be questioning directors. To identify the cause of the financial failure of their company so that's always something quite quite worrying isn't it when your companies your clients go into um, into an insolvency arrangement but quite a cv but today and the way that i've worked with social over the last few years is that he really specializes in working on the time to pay arrangements with hmrc and an area of course it exploded uh, when the pandemic hit so social hello how are you thank you for joining us today hi kirsty thanks for having me Oh, thank you very much. Right. Let's get into the into the guts of what's going on. So I'm going to ask you first a little bit about the general insolvency market and then we'll 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 um, focus in on HMRC's attitude at the moment. So in terms of the insolvency market, I can see from the insolvency service that the statistics are starting to rise for company insolvencies, whether they're CVA, CVLs, administrations or whatever. Um, but they've definitely not been as fast as I expected they would be post-COVID. Um, and, and I'm guessing that's partly down to HMRC's attitude, which we'll come on to. But um, as part of the restructuring team, as you are in Kroll, you see the cases pre-insolvency numbers uh, before they actually go into an insolvency um, procedure. Um, and they're still trying to formulate a turnaround um, and you're helping the business owners or the lenders, whoever you're appointed by. So what are you seeing at the moment in terms of insolvencies? Is there a sense now that numbers are starting to increase and there is going to be much greater insolvencies coming forward? Of course, you know, it's gone on a lot longer than we ever expected this with the not just the COVID situation, but then the, the Ukraine situation as well. What are you finding? Yeah, absolutely. So. In terms of insolvency numbers, um, over the last few months, we've started to experience and see, a, you know, in, if you look at the numbers, um, a, a sharp rise over the last few months. Uh, if, if we take administration statistics, uh, you know, pre-pandemic, we, we were averaging around about between the 100 to 120 per month. Now, during the 2020 and 2021, uh, which was effectively the COVID years, uh, this dropped to around about between 50 to 60 administrations a month. Uh, what we've seen in July and August is actually something to um, uh, raise your eyebrow on because uh, we're almost getting to pre-pandemic levels because in July we had 75 and in August we actually broke the 100 barrier and we actually, actually hit 101. So uh, administration statistics are absolutely on the rise. Uh, if we look at uh, winding up petitions, as a statistic, which is more of a creditor-led process. In April this year, um, HMRC, as an example, was responsible for a fifth of all the petitions that were issued. Now, this figures all reached to nearly a third in the month of May, and mm. it's around about 45, 46% 
of all the petitions that were issued in June. So, you know, from an enforcement point of view, uh, activity is clearly on the rise, uh, and we expect this only to continue, uh, especially with HMRC making a, um, you know, playing a really key role in the future numbers. So, so let's delve into that a little bit more then. So, um, as I as I alluded earlier on, your particular role is is working with HMRC, um, uh, trying or working with with businesses and 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 liaising with HMRC to to hopefully get some time to pay arrangements for various taxes that are overdue. Um, and I know when we've spoken over the last couple of years, you've you've been you know quite. Um, I would say shocked and, and definitely impressed at the way that HMRC have been supportive during the pandemic. Um, and you've got some particularly impressive case studies where you've come to agreements and arrangements which would have never been possible uh, in a time to pay arrangement previously prior to COVID. So what you're finding now then that their attitude has now started to get a little bit stricter again, is it? So they're now starting to enforce a lot, a lot quicker, are they? Yeah, that's right. Um... Uh, during the turn of the year, um, uh, the, the HMRCs have has started to harden its stance, especially now as the enforcement team is fully operational and fully, you know, fully working and and, and issuing the the winding up petitions, and that's evident from the statistics. But we're also seeing an increased number of field force visits that are happening to to businesses that have. Um, tangible assets and fixed assets. Uh, we're also seeing that HMRC are now issuing the security bonds uh, much more on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to um, the COVID period, um, yeah, absolutely. you absolutely correct there, Kirsty. We, um, during that period, we saw that HMRC were supporting businesses on an unprecedented level. Uh, this included um, long-term deferrals, standstill agreements, which were all judged on a case-by-case basis. But that's something that uh, we've never we've never seen in the market. Uh, and and a, in terms of a case study that we've worked on recently, which just, you know, really highlights uh, HMRC's support and the extent of, of, of their support. What we've seen and experienced on a recent haulage business that we've been advising on uh, that had a pre-pandemic annual turnover around about 25 million, had about 210 employees all based in the UK. Now, prior to the pandemic, the this company had lost a key contract, which uh, which meant which, which and that contract was valued around about eight million pound. Mm-hmm. Um, and a result of the COVID revenue, declined generally, um, mainly because the business was in haulage and as as a result of the national lockdowns, the company was also impacted by driver shortages also, uh, which increased employee wages and combined with um, increased costs of spare parts and repairs. This just overall, it just led to uh, huge, huge amounts of pressure on margin and that effectively put that business into a loss making position. Um, Mm. So again, that meant that the business was massively struggling with cash uh, and experienced those shortages. Uh, that then naturally equated to, you know, it quickly found itself um, uh, accruing HMRC arrears of around about one one point seven million by the mm. end of July twenty two. Uh, so the company had already benefited from HMRC support during September twenty one, uh, and it had multiple time to pay arrangements which weren't completed on completed to terms um, but the company had also exhausted um, other financial support from its major stakeholders as so they were pretty much at the at the end of their support uh, which meant that HMRC support in that situation was was really crucial in terms of the ongoing viability of the business in its existing form 
so the company uh, obviously approached us um, in relation to negotiating a time to pay and also with assistance with its forecasts uh, which we interrogated in detail so despite the challenging compliance record we were we were successful uh, in negotiating a 16-month repayment plan with hmrc's large debt team um, incorporating all of the 1.7 million pounds of 1.7 million pounds worth of arrears mm. uh, and effectively this repayment plan alleviated any short-term cash flow pressure and effectively freed up the management's time to focus on the day-to-day -day running of the business and really affecting and completing its turnaround mm. um, so yeah I mean these this is just one case study uh, we've got multiple case studies um, just highlighting HMRC support mm. um, and, and, and and our approach in negotiating with HMRC Mm. I mean, that's really impressive because I know pre-COVID, if, if you failed on a time to pay arrangement payment plan, then that was your chance gone, wasn't it, really? I mean, they they, they really rarely were, were able to open discussions with you again. Um, and it sounds like this company's really had several lives and, and you've done a great job for them that, um, that HMRC is prepared to start again with them in September um, to, to hopefully, you know, get that business back on its feet again. Yeah, absolutely. We're going now, obviously, into um, an uncertain time for the next, uh, well, I'd say seven days, maybe uh, maybe three months, maybe you know, a year. We don't really know what's coming next week as we're going to be having a new prime minister announced on Monday, a new cabinet, no doubt. And, um, you know, potentially and hopefully lots of uh, new policies to support businesses what does this mean for HMRC's policy? Because it isn't a new government as such. You know, it's still the Conservative government that were elected um, a few years ago, but it's it's clearly a new um, administration in terms of the people involved in the policies. Can HMRC change their policies or are they kind of set in stone long term? Do, and obviously, I'm going to ask you, do you know what's going to happen? And you're probably going to tell me no. But, um, you know, what what can you say about HMRC's um you know approach does it can it change quite quickly or does it is it really set, set quite a long-term time you know strategy in advance yeah i think i think hmrc's policy uh, and policies will will be dictated by the level of debt that's been accrued uh, mm -hmm. and it will tailor its policies accordingly now if you look at hmrc overdue debt uh, prior to the pandemic uh, this always averaged around about between the 15 16 17 billion pound mark um, now, as a result of COVID and the, and the unprecedented support that HMRC has given to businesses over, you know, during FY20, during FY21, you know, it, it, HMRC found itself having a peak debt pile uh, of, of overdue debt of around about 60 billion in September 21, yeah. uh, which is effectively this time last year. So what HMRC has done is managed to successfully collect around about 20 billion of that. And we're getting into December. So as at December 21, it, 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 it fell down to about 40 billion. Now, the large driver to that was the VAT scheme, uh, which mm -hmm. was the auto, you know, a lot of the um, VAT uh, that was accrued on that, on, on that overdue debt was was the 20 billion was that, was that VAT quarter. So that's now been effectively all been paid off. Now, what we've seen since December 21 is that that debt has, has increased slightly to around about 42 billion as of, as of today. So you know, that, that debt pile is going to dictate any incoming prime minister's 
a view of HMRC's collection strategy and 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 what the um, what and what they will be advising them. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's going to be an interesting time to see how um, how that debt is going to be collected because the government will be looking at that and looking at that as an asset on its balance sheet. So it's going they to they need the cash in. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to be yeah. making decisions on the back of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 is worrying that debt has increased the overdue debt has increased since december uh, of this year uh, by about two billion and we suspect that's been driven by um the inflation the inflationary pressures that a lot of businesses are under uh together with supply chain issues um and adding adding to that the recent interest rate rise is only just going to compound to to compound that along with the energy prices in the energy price increases so mm. um the statistic overdue debt statistics for the next quarter um is probably going to be the um, key metric that the next prime minister will be looking at mm. interesting so looking now to our audiences um accountants from the UK and also from South Africa who, who uh, you know, will have a different regime, obviously. But in the, the accountants in this country that have got clients who um, are mounting arrears now, um, what do you suggest that they do? And, and at what point, um, what can the accountants do? And then at what point do you think they should really look to introduce you on, on a more specialist level um, and so you can formulate the proposal on your on their client's behalf for HMRC, bearing in mind, of course, that, you know, you tend to work on large, much larger um, tax debt. So perhaps you could give us an idea of what level you get involved in and, and what accountants can do if it's smaller than that. Yeah. Um, so I, I fully appreciate that the vast majority of accountants uh, can negotiate a time to pay for their clients. Uh, I think the key advice to any accountant when approaching HMRC is that, you know, you've really got to be prepared to discuss the financial trading of the business, uh, effectively the, the historic performance and the, the impact that this has had on cash. Uh, you've got to ensure that you've got an up-to-date record of the arrears, which you're planning to include in any arrangement. Be prepared to talk about the, 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 the client's previous cha- uh, compliance challenges. So if it's had um, time to pay, you know, be be prepared to explain why and if they've been breached again please you know be prepared to explain why those breaches have occurred um i think you've also got to um be prepared to talk about what support all the all the different key stakeholders in any business have given to the business while the tax arrears have built up so the key stakeholders in my experience are, are usually the bank uh, the the principal funder uh, that could be an abl provider uh, the shareholders the you know the key uh, suppliers, uh, the landlord, you know all these different stakeholders. Uh, you've got to be able to be prepared to discuss what support they have given, uh, and also not only what they have given, but also what they are planning to give in the future. Is there are there any additional sources of support? What discussions have you had with the bank um, in trying to get new finance? Um, and uh, again, with the shareholders. Are those um, funding options available? What's what what security and what assets are available within the business? You know, all these points need to be um, uh, discussed when you're discussing, uh, you know, a time to pay arrangement with HMRC. Mm. So you need to have done all of that work in advance, shouldn't you? Then have done all your research and looked to the market, looked to the other lenders, um, and and to be able to explain that you've tried all of that first. 
Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, HMRC um, do not like to be the only stakeholder supporting mm -hmm. a business. They fully expect every other stakeholder to be supporting the business in, in comparative terms. Um, mm -hmm. So, okay. you know, you, they, they fully expect the management team to exhaust all the other uh, avenues before they yep. come to HMRC. So you've yep. got to really have that in the back of your mind. Um, so, I mean, from our point of view, where we add value is, you know, we, we, we've shown that we fully understand HMRC's processes and expectations. Um, this includes, you know, dealing with debt sizes ranging from a few thousand pounds right up to millions. Um, you know, we, we, we understand uh, in broad terms that the different departments within the debt management team that will be dealing with a specific matter, and that's aligned with their compliance record. Uh, you know, we've consistently secured long-term support in line with the company's forecasts that's absolutely key you know mm -hmm. any work any time to pay arrangement that we have it's supported by the company's forecasts and where appropriate you know the discussions with those stakeholders the key stakeholders whose support is whose support that the forecasts very much relies upon mm -hmm. um so you know where, where the businesses have those challenging compliance record there's absolutely no reason why the accountants can't come to us and say and and, and just ask for our guidance and and and, and support um i mean hmrc non-compliance um you know in certain circumstances can trigger covenant breaches of existing funding arrangements and mm. uh, so in those situations we can assist with the negotiations and reporting to the banks uh, mm. and, and that could be the asset-based lenders as well and other funders so mm. you know that's a uh, from an accountant's point of view where you are um uh, in, in danger of breaching covenant you know that's where something that we can assist with um, mm. um so yeah so um, if an accountant wanted to approach you um, to help with a client, how, what's the best way of them getting in touch with you, Sushil? Um, phone call, email. I think they're, they're the two mode, uh, two best modes of, of, of contacting. So you're open on, or... on LinkedIn, aren't you? You're very vocal on LinkedIn. So they'll find you on there and, and that can get the contact details too. Yeah, LinkedIn, to... is, LinkedIn is fine as, uh, also. Um, uh, so that's absolutely fine, yeah. Brilliant. Now, I get to ask you one final question, which I haven't warned you about. So get your thinking cap on. Uh, but we ask all of our guests this question. And um, we are the Future Positive podcast. So we do try and bring a bit of a future positive spin to this. Um, so what excites you about the future? I think it's the opportunity more than anything. Um, the opportunity of supporting clients um, and making a difference. Um, mm. A lot of the work that we do, um, you know, quite naturally goes unnoticed. Um, yeah. And, you know, we've every, every every arrangement that we agree with HMRC, as an example, you know, saves um, a handful of jobs or it could save hundreds of jobs. So, mm. you know, that's something absolutely to uh, have in the back of your mind and motivate you to to get out of bed and and make a difference. Yeah, fantastic. And you do. And I know I've seen it through so many clients that you've worked with on behalf of, of accountancy firms that I, I work with that, that sing your praises for sure. So um, thank you very much for coming on and explaining a little bit more about what you're doing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Your work never does hit those insolvency statistics, which is a good thing um, because it's been a success, clearly. So fantastic. That wraps up this episode of the podcast now. And for those who are new to Capitalise, um, our vision is to give small businesses and their advisors transparency and control over business finance because we want every small business to identify risks that they might face 
explore how they stand from a credit perspective and choose the right funding that best fits their business, whether they are um, successfully trading or whether they are in a more critical position. Um, for those of you that don't already subscribe, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon and all good podcast platforms. And you can also go back there and listen to our complete back catalogue of episodes, um, including some fantastic interviews with people such as Sushil that have got real expertise in a certain area. For more about the Future Positive podcast and Capitalise, you can find us on capitalise.com. And thanks for listening. And don't forget that we publish um, every other Friday morning our breakfast news, uh, three stories of the week that you might not have seen. Uh, we had discussed those, myself and Alex. And we've also got some other brilliant interviews coming up as well. So please subscribe and tune in and we'll see you again soon. Thanks, Michelle. Bye now. Thanks. <laughs>